Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. If you want to get in touch with us throughout the show, phone lines are open. We like to make this as interactive a radio show as possible. It could be the quarterback of this segment, 833-804-0910. Call AWOD, 833-804-0910. You can always tweet us throughout the show, at 910thefan or at AWOD Radio. If it's a good tweet, we'll read it on air. So I wanted to get into Pat McAfee's comments on Ron Rivera saying that he has, quote, lost his fastball. That is the lead story as we talk a little commanders here on the commander's corner. So, Zach, I know you are a Rivera guy. So I will I'll do my bit. We'll let Pat McAfee speak. And then the floor is yours to defend Ron, to okay. defend the riverboat. Okay. All right? Yeah. So here's what I wanted to say about Ron Rivera. I believe he's gotten too comfortable with the media. They surrounded him in 2020. You had Washington's off-the-field drama, right? Who's going to replace Jay Gruden, who's smoking cigarettes with an 18-year-old 18-year, girl on the sidewalk? Doing purple nurples Outside of a bar. Right, doing purple nurples at practice with Sean Jackson. The culture was terrible under Jay Gruden. So it was a tough task. And who the hell wanted to work for Dan Snyder, right? So I get that. The media surrounded him in 2020, the Washington off-the-field drama, the pandemic, right, coaching through a pandemic. Oh, yeah, he battled cancer and beat it, too. So I love Ron for all of those reasons. But the media surrounded him, and he went through it all, and these big reporters like Ian Rappaport, Albert Breer, Adam Schefter, Grant Paulson, you know, all these big guys, they developed relationships with Rivera during that time. And here's what I think we need to take a step back and realize. Let's face it, Rivera's been a head coach for 10-plus seasons. He's accomplished a lot. He's been to a Super Bowl. He played in the league. He won. He's got a great resume. And he knows all these people. So he creates these relationships, right? And he's networking with all these very well-connected journalists inside of the industry. But I think Ron Rivera has clouded his judgment on whether these contacts, these connections, these networks are friends or they're just using him for quotes. And I don't think he understands that because he's just become too comfortable with the media and the information that he gives them, the information that he lets outside of the locker room. It needs to stop. You know, he should have never told Albert Breer he wanted to play Sam Howell. He should have never told the media that Eric Bieniemy's coaching style was a concern. He should never be doing these interviews and not just doing your average coach speak. Like, please stop telling everyone our inner secrets. So here's what I wanted to say about Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is the mom in book club who didn't read the book, but she came with 15 stories about her children misbehaving. So damn it, Ron, I want to like you, but I've started to become a hater because of the fact that I feel like he's just giving out all these information. He's just letting these secrets out and he's being a mom instead of being a leader of men on the football field. And I also don't like that I see him on these sidelines wearing these stupid sun-blocking glasses. Like, just wear some shades. He's got no style. And now I'm starting to not like anything about Ron Rivera. Now let's play the clip from Pat McAfee so you guys know I'm not the only one who's out on Ron. Let's talk about somebody who uh, I don't think he's ever going to win a Super Bowl as a head coach. And it breaks my heart. Oh, no. It does break my heart. Former player. Yeah. Oh, Riverboat Ron, oh, they say. Okay. Love Riverboats. Yeah. Love Riverboats. 
Yeah. Love former players that are coaches. Mm-hmm. Love former players having success. Love coaches that his players like him. Like that coaches have success. Been to a Super Bowl. Love everything about it. I do believe as a football coach, though, his time is done. Yeah. yeah. The more things that he says with his outside voice that should be just inside voice things makes me realize that maybe he has lost the certain thing that head coaches need to have. Taylor yeah. Heineke was supposed to start yeah. a game, and yeah. he, the last game of the year, and he said, don't start me. You guys need to see this guy. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Heineke goes, uh, no, I just really like the guy, and I think he is really good. And to be honest, Ron Rivera never watched him practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. clearly. That so was the, all. the only way that Coach Rivera is going to see this guy is if he gets into a game. That's great. And I'll tell you what, as soon as we saw him, I'm a massive fan. This follows him talking about Eric Bieniemy in a way where he's like, mm-hmm. Eric, not a head coach, kind of a doofus. <laughs> and it's like, all right, that's inside voice. Might be real. Mm-hmm. Should not be saying that publicly. Had to come back. And then if you go back last year, I didn't even know we had a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right. So there's like numerous things now that have happened where I think Ron Rivera, uh, Coach Ron Rivera, has lost his fastball. I just feel like it's going to be tough for Ron Rivera to win. I hope that's not the case, but I think he's lost it. I think he's lost it as a head coach. So you know I agree with what Pat McAfee's saying there. I mean, what do you think? Okay. I love how everybody starts off by saying, I love Ron. Right. He's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so then you get you the You have onslaught. to preface it, you know, because he's done a lot of good things for the yeah. community. Yeah. He's a great individual. All right. <laughs> so do do you, I'm going to come strong okay. here. Do you, do you, uh, Grant, Danny, any of the junkies, Pat McAfee, think they know more about football than Ron Rivera? No. I, the answer is no. They think they do. And yeah. is there anything more important than what's on the field? No. Is he naive with the media? Yes. Is he too nice? Yes. Did he get a good education with the media in Charlotte? No. <laughs> is he swimming with sharks in D.C.? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think he, everybody's jumping on this bandwagon of Ron, and he's put in a possible situation in D.C. under Snyder. You guys all want him gone because he's still attached to Snyder. But you're not getting to the point where he's putting his own foot in his mouth. Okay, but if they win week one, then I wish everybody would shut up because then it becomes a distraction. I mean, if he goes, if he's 4-0 this season, is is it still going to be he's in the hot seat? Like, I think you guys are just finding, you've been in this decades-long mire of Snyderism that you have to almost naturally, like, it's vomiting negativity. No, you're know? right. You're right. And but at so the same you time. you have to have something to complain about. We haven't even played a game but yet. But part of being the head coach in D.C. is understanding how to handle the media. And Pat McAfee made a great point there with the inside voice versus the outside voice. And if you, if you kind right. of read through the lines there, what he's saying is there's just certain things that you should never tell the media. But if everybody in the room's cool with them, then it's fine. Um Maybe he loses the room this year. I don't know. But I forget who said it yesterday. He's the one who brought EB into the mix here. Yeah. He want, he knew he needed an offensive genius to run this offense to have well, a Well, he knew he needed an offensive genius because of the fact that he had Sam Howell at practice every day last year and didn't watch him enough, didn't focus <laughs> in on the backups enough to realize maybe he gives you a better chance to win than the guy that went to ODU and was sleeping on his, mom, or his sister's couch. Or Maybe. Carson Wentz, who was playing with a broken finger. You know, Ron Rivera's the same guy that went to the media and said, I watched the gosh darn tape. I read through all the BS. I knew that Carson Wentz was the guy we wanted. You know, he has lost his fastball. If he's telling the media that I did all this research on Carson Wentz and we saw Carson Wentz poop the bed. He, he is the exact opposite of playing with house money this year. 
You yeah. know, he's in a tough spot. Yeah. Um, hopefully, he just, uh, you know, he makes all the right moves and the and the guys buy in. You know, but uh, I just think it's silly. I think it's much to do about nothing, and we're not talking about games or anything like that. Nothing has happened yet. It's right. just. Anything that this he won't does be a story at a press conference on Monday. turns into a thing. It won't be a story on Monday. Right. It's a story today because, hello, the season's not here. We got this stupid week off, right, because there's no fourth preseason game. So there's no stories coming out except for the fact that the way Ron Rivera speaks to the media, it, it's puzzling. I think Ron, in his next venture, whatever it is, it's probably not going to be as a head coach. Yeah. Um, they're not going to bring somebody in. Uh, it, it would be a bad team or a middling team. He needs to be a, a defensive coordinator and go win a Super Bowl. That would be his next endeavor, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just the problem is, is that, like, everybody kind of says that Ron has lost his fastball now. You know, Pat McAfee, we had the clip. You know, Ian Rappaport's not going to say anything negative. That's his guy. Albert Breer went, art, went, you know, went viral with the article. I'm sure if you ask inside NFL circles if they truly believe Ron Rivera's lost his fastball, they would all say yes. And that's that's the issue right there is that, and I said this before, if Dan Snyder was still the owner and there was no hoopla of him selling the franchise, Ron would have been fired last year because the team was 7-5 and five and then finished the season 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. You were 7-5 and five with four games to go, five games to go, easy chance to get into the postseason. You need to win two. Couldn't do it. It, it was a, it was fireable. To go back to Carson Wentz and stink it up against the Browns was a fireable offense. He didn't get fired because Dan Snyder had his eyes on $6.05 billion and the Amafi Coast. It's been so much about no football, non-football things. Yeah. You know, and if if they go on a great run and make the playoffs this year, they'll all say it's because of the enemy, and he'll probably be done too. But we'll see if he gets right. an early hook. Ron, Ron's in a terrible situation. And that, you know, the room still buys in and all that stuff. Everybody will agree. If the offense does well, it's Eric Bieniemy. He's the voice of God. If the defense does well, oh, Jack Del Rio's got the boys playing well. Ron Rivera is just standing on the sidelines with his arm folded. <laughs> He's got nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with anything. He's the president. That's what he is. Okay. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It's game week here on AWOD Radio's Virginia Tech hosts ODU. We'll talk some Hokies next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You can tweet us throughout the show at 910 The Fan or at AWOD Radio. I just tweeted, pull over. Stop what you're doing. Pause your work for 10 minutes. We've got a special guest. We've got the Lurch Papa, Jason Bishop from the Sports Junkies on the hotline right now. What's going on, Lurchy? AWOD Radio. What is up? What is up? <laughs> How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. This is game week. College football starting. Well, it started last week, but, you know, you got the full week one starting tomorrow night. And, of course, the Hokies are – playing down there under the lights uh, at Lane against Old Dominion. So I'm excited. I hope all your listeners are excited. This is a great time of the year, man. Absolutely. And I loved your interview that you did. Not much of the uh, junkies did, but you did yesterday with Coach Pry on the show. And you mentioned you went to the spring game. What were some of the things that you took away from going to Virginia Tech spring game this year? 
that was the first one that I had been to. And um, it, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, it was pretty hot. So we, we only lasted into like mid-third quarter. Um, at the time, you know, my oldest daughter who just graduated in May, but she was down there. My younger daughter is a, a junior now. So we were hanging out with them, went to the game with them. And it was fun. And I just wanted to kind of see – the, the new faces that are there on the roster and Brett Pry, by the way, is a great dude. Yeah. He is a really, I really hope it works out for him. He's just a nice guy. He's, um, he's dedicated, man. He's just, he's just really good. I just hope it works out, but it was fun, man. I had never been to spring game and it, it was pretty good atmosphere. The tailgating was cool. Um, so Let's just see how it progresses here in year two for Coach. Yeah, I, I really do hope it works out. And, you know, I started this job a year ago in June, so I started really following and covering the Hokies, and there was just so much energy around the program last year with the hiring of Brent Pry. And I'm wondering, do you still feel like there's this renewed energy inside the program with Brent Pry as the leader for year two? I do. I, I really do. Talking to some fans, you know, some parents, um, some of the donors that they really are high on this guy because he, he, he could bring in talent. That's what's one thing he was great at at Penn state. He could pluck talent out of Virginia and he brought him up there. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit here in year two. I mean, last year, Adam, the roster was like an, an FCS roster. I mean, it was bad, you know? I mean, Grant Wells had nine passing touchdowns last year. Drake may for North Carolina had 38. So, I mean, just think about that. You you can't win games when your quarterback – and it's not all, Grant, all on Grant Wells. He wasn't good, all right? He was terrible. But the offensive line gave him no time. Defense wasn't great, so they were falling behind in games, so they were kind of forced to throw. But um, I do believe that there's faith in coach. you got to give a new staff like three or four years, especially with this transfer portal thing, right? Well, that's what um, I was going to go with next year is like, how long does it take now to build a program with the transfer portal and, and all the NIL stuff that has changed college football? You know, I, I think you would give Pry four years, but you want to see some kind of momentum moving into year two and three. 100 percent. Yeah. I agree. Um, they had some horrible losses last year, starting with Old Dominion. All right. You can't lose the Old Dominion. I don't care what kind of roster you have. Um, now Old Dominion, you know, they got Ricky Ronnie there as a coach. He knows Coach Pry very well. They're both on the uh, Penn State staff. But, dude, Tech had six turnovers in that game. And one of the turnovers was on a field goal attempt that was like 20 yards, and the snap went like over the, the holder's head, and it was returned for a touchdown. I mean, you, they played like a high school team. You can't lose games like that. And, um, and he said that. Price said, look, we just got to be a lot better. And they went out and got some guys, especially a receiver. They got three new receivers through the portal, including Allie Jennings, by the way, who was at ODU last year. And he killed them. He had like over 100 yards in that game. So um, they were a bad team last year. They, I'm just hoping they get – can we double the wins? They had three last year. Can we get to six? Can we get bowl eligible? That's what I'm hoping for. And then in year three, that's when you got to start thinking about starting to contend for a, an ACC championship or pretty close to it. So I don't know, man. I'm just hoping that the quarterback situation has got to be much better. Yeah. I mean, you think back to that last game, that game last year, and you're right. Everything that could go wrong went wrong in that game. You know, speaking of the Hokies this season, you want to see improvement. What do you think will be the strength of this team? Like what position group? I think the DBs are going to be legit. 
because um, the, Dorian Strong was had some injuries last year. They brought in some really good freshmen. Watch out for this kid, Dante Lovett. All right, he's a freshman. I think his uniform number is number one on the defensive side. Um, he's from Damatha up here, my high school up here in the DC area. Really athletic kid. He's probably going to be a backup corner, but he's going to get some time. They brought in some stud freshman um, corners and DBs. They also have a transfer in from Georgia Southern. His name is Derek Canteen. I think he's a senior, but I think the DBs are going to be really good. Um, And like I said, the receivers, they brought in three new receivers. Jennings, they brought in this kid Felton from, I think he's from um, uh, Norfolk State. And then Jalen Lane, who's from Middle Tennessee. So they got three new receivers, and they had to get a receiver because last year they were just a disaster. I think their leading receiver last year had 37 catches. So think about that. Um, they, I think they've got a couple of positions that are better, and, but it comes down to what? What position does it always come down to? The quarterback. And, and, and that's right. what was interesting is that Coach Pry did mention that drones – the transfer from Baylor would get action every week, and you know I, I haven't been uh, scared to say on the radio I wanted drones to win the job. I just looked back at last year, and I don't think there was any game where you could say Grant Wells deserves to be the starter again next season. And so when you look at the upside with drones, his ability to run, and we know Virginia Tech's always at their best when they have a running quarterback. So I wanted him to win the job. He doesn't win the job, but Price says he's going to get action. Well, what does that look like? What when does he get in the game? I don't know. Certain packages, I don't know. They'll figure something out. Yeah. Um, they moved um, Tyler Bowen into the quarterback room. So he's, he's the OC and he's the quarterback coach. Um, they also brought in Elijah Brooks, who was the running backs coach at Maryland. He was the DeMatha coach for many years. And then he moved into running backs coach at Maryland. Now he's at Virginia Tech. He's very good. So hopefully he makes that RB room better. But I don't know. I mean, we just have to kind of wait and see where drones is used. I I would agree. When I saw him in the spring game, he wasn't very impressive, but he was also playing behind the third-string offensive line. So I I couldn't really tell you much based on what I saw from him, Um, and I didn't see him much last year. He he played in limited time for Baylor last year. So I agree with you, man. I mean, that's the biggest question mark. Wells has to be like 100 times better than he was last year, or they're going to struggle again, or drones will be playing sooner than later. It's Jason Bishop with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Lurch Papa on the Sports Junkies. And we know you watch a ton of college football. So uh, who do you think competes in the college football playoffs this season? I'll be rooting for Caleb Williams and USC. I definitely think Michigan makes it in there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, by the way, just think about how different next year is going to look. When there's 12, yeah. (laughs) There's 12. I mean, and then you're going to have conference realignment, um, you know, conference expansion. You might have – hell, dude, you might have Stanford, Cal, and SMU in the ACC. Think about that. Yeah. Um, So everything's going to be much different next year. Um, I mean, you got to go with the Blue Bloods, man. Uh, USC's defense has to get a lot better. They brought in a bunch of transfers, so that's – they didn't look very good defensively against San Jose last week, I'll tell you that. But – you know, they've got to get a lot better. You know, Georgia's going to be legit. Let's see how good Carson Beck is at quarterback. They say, I was listening to somebody, a Georgia insider, they say Carson Beck is the most talented quarterback of Georgia since Matt Stafford. Wow. So think about that. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's got some expectations there. Michigan's going to be legit. Um, 
you know, Ohio State, let's see how good this Kyle McCord kid is. They got two legit RBs and they got great receivers. Bama, they don't, I don't know. They're, that's a quarterback dilemma too. So I don't know, man. I mean, I think Penn State's going to be really good this year. They got a new quarterback, this kid, Aller, Drew Aller, and they've got two great running backs. They always have good receivers. Uh, in the ACC, let's see if Florida State and Clemson can hang, you know? Yeah. And we'll find out um, week one for sure with FSU. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That'll be good. And then Clemson plays Duke. Um, Duke will be interesting, too. They got a stud freak athlete at quarterback. But I don't know. I got, I think in terms of the playoff, you just got to look at the, um, the Blue Bloods. You're going to probably see at least two or three of the same teams next year. Yeah. Well, Lurch, this has been fun, man. Let's do it again throughout the season. And I know you're going to a couple games this year. I'm going to try to uh, make it there the same weekend as you. Let me know. We'll tailgate. Yeah, sounds good. All right, we'll get a little blitzkrieg. <laughs> you know I like to get after it. All right, brother. Have right. a good one. Yep, talk to you later. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show. It's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. We are live and local here in Richmond from 12 to 3 p.m. Before I kick it over to my guys, Grant and Danny in Washington, D.C. They are on until 6.30 every day. That's 3 to 6.30. But you guys know every day at 1 p.m. we open up the phone lines, 833-804-0910. You can be the quarterback of this segment on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some- the phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline for a special edition of the Richmond Commander is Grant Paulson. What's going on, GP? How are you? Good to talk to you again, bud. What's a- going on? Absolutely. So let's get right into it. And our buddy Michael Phillips just sent me an email, and the email said, a lost opener is a lost year. Do you agree with him for the Commander's Week Whoa. 1? No, I'm not going to say it's a lost year after one game in the first week of the season, but Ron Rivera's staff needs this game. There's no doubt about it. And Ron Rivera is going into year four. They've had two losing seasons in an 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one year. So if they lose week one to the Arizona Cardinals without a quarterback, a team that's got one of the worst rosters in the league, at home, all the juice, excitement, sellout, everyone wearing burgundy and gold, first game post-in, era, inexcusable. They've got to win the football game. It's an ought-to-have-it, got-to-have-it kind of game. And if they lose, all bets are off at that point. But they obviously have 17 weeks and 16 games to make up for week one. So it wouldn't ruin the season, but it would start at Grand Portland. I know you posted the Pat McAfee clip yesterday. We talked about it earlier on our show. And, you know, it's funny. He's been all eyes on the Commanders last week on his show. He's talking about the rocket from Sam Howell in preseason game against the Ravens. And now he believes that Ron Rivera has lost his fastball. Do you agree, Grant? Yeah, kind of. I, I don't know what his fastball was, at, at one, you know, initially, to, to be honest with you. And I, that sounds condescending, and I don't mean it that way. Like, let me start by saying I'm a Ron Rivera guy in that I, I like him personally. I think he's a good human being. I think he is a fine coach. I think he's somewhere between, like, mid and whatever's one notch above that. Uh, very, very mediocre. The results kind of bear that out. 
I mean, the bottom line is he's been a head coach in the league for 12 years. He's had, I believe, nine seasons where he hasn't had a winning record at this point. So you had Cam Newton on a heater when he was the MVP of the league, NFC Championship winner, and a Super Bowl appearance at 15-1. and one. You kind of take that out of the equation, and the results are what they are, man. I don't know what to say of it. The, the, the roster build here has been very slow. I think it's been a success. They're a better team with deeper roster than when he got here. But at some point, you got to win football games. And at the most important position, he's botched things. He's gotten a few things at the podium, you know, either wrong or, or that just make him look bad. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a sign that he's losing his fastball. But I do think he certainly uh, had a harder time dealing with the media here than in a much smaller market in Charlotte. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, we know Grant Paulson still has his fastball and a slurve and a changeup. As everybody still talks about your question from last year when Ron Rivera didn't know his team was eliminated. So take me back to that moment again for a second here because, it, you know, Pat McAfee pointed it out also. It's just some of these things where Ron Rivera speaks to the media and it's almost like he doesn't think about what he's going to say. Well, I think, honestly, what I've now watching him day in and day out for the better part of a few years, I think he just speaks too much. And this is me analyzing him kind of putting his foot in his mouth regularly, more than it is me as a media member being upset about this. Because I like folks who answer questions and provide candor in general. But he says the quiet part out loud way too often, right? I mean, let's say somehow, some way. You got through a game in week 16 or 17, not knowing last year that you could have been eliminated, which should have been impossible as what an outrage that is anyway. You just can't let anyone else know. That, that should be a secret you take with you to your grave at that point, right? I mean, the same thing I would say about the enemy comments earlier this offseason. We should have never found out that some players were bothered, that their feathers were ruffled because of how hard enemy coaches them. The, the worst comment I thought of among you know, the, the answer he gave there was about how Jack Del Rio is essentially, you know, more friendly to the players right. or, or easier to work with because he's been a coach before and the will learn as if to say it was very much like a pat on the head, like you're just a coordinator. You don't get it. So I thought that was bad. I didn't like that. He kind of let the very private thing that had happened in his office with players coming and talk to him, their issues get public either. I, th- I thought it was just a bad look all the way around. So it's not as much to me that like he doesn't prepare or doesn't know what he's supposed to say. I think at times he just starts talking, and and before you know it, he goes, "Whoops, should have said that." It's like his governor, the guard that doesn't, you know, let you say things and get them out is broken sometimes. I think that's the issue. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It's Grant Paulson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can hear GP alongside Danny Ruye every day. From three to six thirty, right here on nine ten, the fan. You know, you mentioned EB, Coach EB. What do you, what do you make of Coach Eric Bieniemy's coaching style, and how would you compare his offense to Scott Turner? Well, I like his style. Fine. It's not what's popular in the league. It's not what players love, and it's, I would say, at least a minimal factor. It's, it's a non-zero reason why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. To be completely honest with you, there are other reasons, right? And everyone points to whether or not race has played a, a massive factor for him. And, and I would have to say, you know, that's got to be in the conversation. But the fact that this guy is an old school, antiquated yeller and screamer and a hard ass at a time where players want to be friendly with coaches and don't want to be screamed at and want to be treated like professional men and not college players is, is certainly 
among the reasons why he hasn't gotten his shot. Um, you also just don't get credit when you're in the same room as some of the great offensive architects in the league, whether that's Andy Reid or you know, Sean Payton's assistant in New Orleans. I think his name's Pete Carmichael. That guy's been in New Orleans forever. He's never gotten a sniff as a head coach either. He's been the coordinator of Saints offenses all the way back to Drew Brees' heyday. So it's not like the enemy is, is alone in this. Uh, that having been said, I think it was kind of a necessary change of pace. You know, this is an offense that hasn't achieved in a long time. This is an offense that may have needed a little kick in the butt. I got no problem at all with how he coaches, not having to deal with it day in and day out and just watching it from afar. Uh, as far as his offense, I think it's going to be wildly successful uh, compared to you know, the scheme that they were running with uh, Scott Turner previously. We're going to see, I think, Adam, uh, how the players execute it, but they're going to join the 2020s now. You know, Instead of a lot of the things that, whether it was Turner's idea or Rivera's ability to influence a young first-time play caller whose dad, Norv, you know, goes way back with Ron Rivera, and because of that, Turner kind of grew up around Ron Rivera. So you got a little ability to go in his office and tell him what to do. I don't think you're going to have that with an assistant head coach title with the enemy. He's going to get to do what he wants. and They're going to throw it on first down more. They're going to throw it on, on running downs and run it on passing downs. And just by doing that, which is a very Kansas City um, relevant and, and, and kind of chief staple of the last several years and a way to move the football in the league, I think they're going to be a lot better off. So I'm excited about the quick game, getting the ball to the quarterback's hands throwing to set up the run, some of the things that the good offensive teams in this league have been doing for many years, and under Rivera, Washington got away from. Washington is 11 days away from week one where they will host the Arizona Cardinals. What's the bigger concern for week one, the health of Logan Thomas or the health of Chase Young? I'll say Logan Thomas only because I think they're deeper at defensive end. If Chase Young doesn't play as you saw last year, there was still a good defense. Casey Tuhill and James Smith-Williams were adequate replacements. They don't play at the level of Chase Young's upside, but you know those guys are fine against the run. They're pretty responsible. They're in the right place. They do what the coach asks. They occasionally can get some pressure on the quarterback and push the pocket a little bit. They also now have pass rushers that they drafted in K.J. Henry and Dre Jones in rounds five and seven who might be able to get to the quarterback at end. They can kick F.A. Opata outside if they need to at you know close to – uh, a handful of sacks, four or five sacks last year. So I just think the depth at the position allows you to get by a little easier. It's also been two years, basically, since Chase Young was impactful, if you think about it. I mean, last year he came back for a few games and, and basically was getting his sea legs back under him and wasn't noticeable. The year before that, he was very, very uh, average and kind of uneventful stat lines strung together one after another for a half season. Then he tore his ACL. So it's been since his rookie year three seasons ago when he had seven and a half sacks and really helped the defense that he was a difference maker. In the case of Logan Thomas, if he doesn't go, you've got Cole Turner running those routes who's got two career catches. John Bates, who's just a blocker primarily, then being asked to help at the tight end position. And the other guy is Curtis Hodges, who I wouldn't have even kept on the team uh, based on how many drops he had in camp in the preseason. Well, they've got to win week one because there's so much energy and excitement right now surrounding this franchise because they are no longer owned by Dan Snyder. And if they want to keep the energy going, they've got to win week one. And you had one of the coolest moments in radio about a month ago when Josh Harris called into your show. Have you spoken to the new owner since then, Grant? 
No, that was it. Our quick little several-second conversation when he called in to buy everybody beers <laughs> who was listening at our two parties, both at a brewery out near the facility in Ashburn and at the bullpen in the Navy Yard by Nats Park where we had a massive bash on that evening that went deep into the night until they kicked us out a little after 10 o'clock. But uh, he called in. He bought the beers. It was a baller move. It was really, really cool. But I have not yet spoken to him since. I've seen him at a couple games. But as you imagine, it's hard to uh, get an audience with him right now. Everybody in town wants to, and, and you got to be a lot more powerful, uh, influential, and, and deeper pocket guy than, than me. Than <laughs> He's talking to governors, you know, and, and movie stars and, and minority owners and former NBA greats. He, he's not that interested in this portly bearded fellow right now. <laughs> That's GP Grant Paulson. You can hear Grant and Danny from 3 to 6.30 right here on 910 The Fan. What you guys got going on today? We've got the shortest show that's ever short-showed. Uh, we've got a 30-minute show and then that's baseball today. So <laughs> we're going to pack a punch, my guy. We're sitting in studio here. It took us longer to drive to the studio than it's going to take us to host the show today. But uh, we're going to go around the NFL with some headlines and uh, basically give some of our thoughts on uh, the practice squad that the commanders are starting to put together. Awesome, man. Good speaking with you. You too, bro. Be yep. good. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. So we've been talking Hokies throughout the show today. We'll continue that conversation with Bill Roth, who joins us every Wednesday here on 910 The Fan for the Cowan Gates Hokies update. He's the play-by-play voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies, and we're proud to be the home for the Hokies here in Richmond as they begin their season Saturday night with Old Dominion coming to Lane Stadium. You can hear that right here on 910 The Fan Saturday night at 8 p.m. We'll talk high school football with Zach Joachim at 2 p.m. He's the high school reporter for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And then we drive down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess, who will begin his 30th season calling high school football games Tomorrow night, that can be heard on 1140 AM WRVA at 7 p.m. But right now, I wanted to get back into the Commanders with a little Commander's Corner on AWOD Radio. So we we mentioned the audio earlier about Pat McAfee saying that Ron Rivera has lost his fastball. And there's been a lot of talk about Washington starting the season against the Arizona Cardinals and whether or not week one is a must win. And, you know, part of me thinks, you know, I'm going over the top here. Look, there's 17 weeks in the NFL season. I'm sure there have been plenty of teams that win a Super Bowl after starting the season 0-1. But this is an Arizona Cardinals team that doesn't have a quarterback. They just traded for Josh Dobbs. They have a fifth-round draft pick who's a rookie who will be going up against another fifth-round draft pick in Sam Howell. Your defense is supposed to be better. Uh, the Cardinals have been releasing players left and right, trading big parts of their offense and defense left and right. They're pretty much going to be crappy for Caleb. They are all in for Caleb Williams. I think that they are going to eventually move on from Kyler Murray some point this season as well. I just don't see him sitting out the entire season and not playing. And I don't think the Cardinals want to play him because they kind of want to tank, in my opinion. Um, so Michael Phillips, who we have on the show all the time as a commander's insider, he hit me up this morning and said, a lost opener is a lost year. It is a lost season 
for the Commanders. You can chime in 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. We have the Sports Junkies on our airwaves every morning from 6 to 10 a.m. And Johnny Cakes Allville, Cakes on the Junkies, had this to say of what he would do if Washington lost their season opener. Let's roll the clip. If Clayton Toon brings the team in here and beats what's supposed to be a top five or top ten defense, if I were Josh Harris, I would seriously consider firing everyone. <laughs> I fire everyone. Just walk in after. This is unacceptable. I'm the new sheriff in town. This performance, unacceptable. All of you turning your key cards. I don't think you're serious. I'm dead serious. You wouldn't do it. If it were Cakes Harris? You wouldn't do it. If it were Cakes Harris. You wouldn't Clint, do it. You wouldn't Clint, turn your organization yes, upside down. You know down. why? You know why? Because there's no upside to keeping Ron Rivera around anyway. He's a buffoon. I would fire Rivera. And I would probably fire Del Rio because unacceptable for your defense to be beaten by a fifth-round rookie or whatever Clayton Toon Well, is. I mean, the defense could play well, and the offense could suck. I would be irrational, and I would <clears throat> walk in and fire everybody. And I would just toss the keys to the enemy and say, here's your audition to be head coach. Here it is. You have uh, 16 games remaining. Best of luck to you. I'm dead serious. If they, the Cardinals beat my team that I just paid $6 million for and embarrassed, embarrassed me yeah. on national television, I would fire everyone. Because all the time, this, this staff, is, they're, they're not long for this world here in Washington. What am I waiting for? I'm just going to pull the ripcord. Honestly, what's Ron doing anyway? Jack's running the defense. The enemy is running the offense. He's the president. Ron's just standing there with his arms folded, uh, dropping stupid comments all the time, which we'll get into later. Do you agree with Cakes from the Junkies? 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. What happens if they lose week one to the Cardinals? So, I, I love Cakes. I love the hot take. I, I love the just getting ready to tear the organization down because he spent $6.05 billion for it. But, Cakes, you simply can't fire everyone. You can't do that. If you lose week one, I want Ron Rivera gone. I want a clean house and start all over. I would be so upset. I wouldn't even want to do the radio show on Monday. I would be. It would be three hours of AWOD screaming that Ron Rivera sucks if we lose to the Cardinals. But you simply you can't fire everybody. You can't fire Ron Rivera because it would be a terrible look for Josh Harris. He just comes. He just takes over ownership, and you're gonna follow in the footsteps of Dan Snyder and throw in a fit and firing people. People would start calling him Josh Snyder. He absolutely can't do that. He can't do that. You can't fire Ron Rivera no matter what happens week one. Now, I will say, if you lose, knock on wood, that can't happen, right? We need the ratings. We need this team to win at least for the first couple weeks of the season. But if you lose, changes must be made. You have to make some kind of a change to your starting lineup. If you lose and it's because the offense struggled, well, let's swap some guys out of the offensive line. You drafted Ricky Stromberg. Let's get him in there. Charles Leno's not cutting it. Try someone else. Maybe it's Sadiq Charles. You have to make some kind of change offensively if that's the reason you lose, right? Defensively, if the Cardinals with a fifth-round draft pick coming in in his first NFL game were able to put up 20-plus points and they win the game, now defensively, I would say if we're in the business of firing people, I would look right at Jack Del Rio, who has been here long enough that this defense should be able to start the season hot. This defense has a ton of first-round draft picks on its side of the ball. They should be able to show up week one. It's as simple as that. If you want to chime in 
Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. What do you do if the Commanders lose week one to the Arizona Cardinals? If special teams is the reason they lose. Maybe it's a close game, it's hard fought, and the Commanders fall 10-9 to the Cardinals because Joey Sly misses a kick. Well, then I, I would be okay with bringing in a few other kickers and having a kicking competition. I just don't think you can fire Ron Rivera if you lose week one. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Zach, who do we have on the line right now? Patrick from Richmond. Patrick from Richmond. You're on the fan with Adam Epstein. What's up, buddy? Hey, Wild. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. What are your thoughts on this topic? Hey, yeah, so uh, I, I wanted to talk about week one. Uh, I know it's a, it's a big game. We seem like uh, if we lose that, it's almost got to throw in the towel. But um, I wanted to call in some positivity and give you my take. Uh, I got I got the commanders. I got us going 4-0. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. I think we take week one. Uh, then we got to go to mile high, honestly. I think we win. I think we're 2-0 oh, easy. We come back. Uh, I think we got Buffalo. Yep. That could, that could be tough, but honestly, that's a real first test. Jack Del Rio dial up some blitzes. Uh, I think we can sneak that one. And then and then we got the division, first division game, Eagles. I'm saying 4-0, oh, baby. I, I'm liking our squad. I don't you, know. You I know don't, what? I hey, like the, uh... we're going to put this guy on hold here. Patrick and Richmond, if the commanders are 4-0, I'll make sure you get a Capital Alehouse gift card. I will make that happen. If the Commanders are 4-0, Patrick, you got to be fired up. That's, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, baby. And then, and then let me just keep going down the schedule. We're going to Atlanta. And then we're going to New York. And then New England. And then we're Seattle. Then we're coming back to Washington. We're taking back the White House. Yo! Yo! <laughs> we're taking back the White House. Go Commanders, baby. All right. Good call, man. Hey, stay on hold. We'll get your information. If the commanders are 4-0, you'll get a gift card. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan.